Welcome to Leading from the Heart, giving you the tools to be a more effective leader with your hosts, Chris Ramsey and Greg Guthrie. Well, hello and welcome back to Leading from the Heart. My name is Chris Ramsey. I'm in studio with my tag team partner, Mr. Greg Guthrie. Greg, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Chris. Your uh, DJ voice always throws me off just for a second. You know, just click a switch and it's there. (laughs) That's right. Well, I'm I'm so excited, Greg. We have begun a a very long um, series that we're about to, we're just slowly and deliberately walking through our effective leadership guide. And I encourage you, if you haven't, uh, already uh, for our listeners, uh, downloaded that guide, which can be found on Workplace in the Learning and Development tab. Uh, do that as we walk through each of these. And Greg, we're in, in section one of that guide, which deals with personal development. And we've talked about the uh, the servant leader's heart. And so today we're here in studio to talk a little bit more about the willingness to develop as people. We've identified that effective leaders are willing to develop as people. So on the agenda today, we're going to talk about the leader's mirror. Uh, We'll talk about, secondly, the leader's confession. Uh, We're going to dive into, third, the objection to developing as people. What if I don't want to grow, Greg? And some people Uh, don't. That's right. And then fourth, we'll we'll end up with uh, practical tips on how do you develop the willingness to develop as a person. So <laughs> some fun wordplay there. So Second level. as we walk in, so we're, we're again, the whole context here is, is how do we as leaders and as people, how do we uh, achieve the most effective, successful uh, skills, behaviors, attitudes? And, and so we're identifying today that a willingness to develop as a person is is the first thing that we'll talk about today. So let's look at the leader's mirror. Um, I don't know about you, Greg, but I, I actually love Greek mythology. Uh, in high school, I, I just kind of took a liking to it. I like story. I like religion. And so Greek mythology really interests me. And so in thinking about this episode, I, I was drawn back to the myth of Narcissus. I'll confess I had to go back and read it because I don't remember from the top of my head. But you remember that this is the the myth where there was this handsome young man and he uh, had been in several relationships but could not find love. Uh, he had been in relationships, they had broken apart, he just could not find what he was looking for. And then one day he stumbles across a little pond or a lake and he catches his reflection in the lake and is smitten with himself. He, he exclaims, I've never seen someone as beautiful, as lovely as his reflection. And so he sits down at the lake and just begins to adore his own self, his reflection. And so much so, I think if I'm getting the myth right, he never leaves that spot. He actually dies of starvation because he just is infatuated with himself. And so as I was thinking about that for leaders, I think that we see that in two extremes with us. Now, hopefully you and I are not going to get stuck at a lake and die because we're looking into the mirror. But what happens, I think, oftentimes for us, and and I'd love for you to put some color to this, Greg, is that I think that narcissist um, can come across in two ways. One, it can come across in the self-absorption leading to infatuation, um, or it could also lead to um, to, uh, an over- um, negative view of yourself. Yeah. I'm stumbling on the word there, but so an infatuation of like, oh, I'm so great. I have nothing to do. I have nothing to grow in. Or like self-deprecation. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Deprecation. Or it can be like, oh my gosh, I have so much to grow in. And either way is kind of a narcissistic um, view. Or I also want to throw in there that we could be narcissistic in the way that we are self-avoiding uh, of ourselves. And so we lead to destruction or unrealized potential. If you would put some color on that for me, Greg, on just kind of how we see ourselves um, because that, that is kind of the entry into this idea of developing as people. 
Yeah, I think most of us, when we think of a narcissist, we think of that person who's totally absorbed with themselves, self-centered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we think of that, uh, we, we don't think of that in the, the way of someone who's self-deprecating. We think mm-hmm. of somebody who's really full of themselves and we might say full of other stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, so it's for me, like that's, yeah, I think everybody gets that. I, I think it's more of a challenge Especially since I, you know, I have poor self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I am kind of self-deprecating to mm-hmm. think about. You could be just as much a narcissist in that respect yeah. as you could the other way. That's a real challenge to me. Yeah. Yeah, so that, 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 that that's what sticks out between those two. Yes, me? and, and I, I like that juxtaposition because I come from that similar background, Greg, where narcissism is just being overinflated. But I, some of the, my favorite teachers use that that way of thinking of saying really self-deprecation is all as equally as narcissistic as the person who you know cannot see their own flaws. And so we put those out as two extremes um, of leadership. And so we want to do is make sure that we are kind of mindful of, of which which polar opposite do we fall in like greg has said like he tends to fall kind of in the more self-deprecating i confess from my background i tend to be more self-inflating and so either way it's a it's a it's an obstacle to us trying to develop as people what other thoughts i I just had a thought about this because of our modern society it's a little bit of a rabbit and we'll come back back to this and say but it is this uh, willingness to be a victim to have that victim mentality Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i i think that uh, holds people down. If you mm-hmm. see yourself as a victim, then you uh, are, you know, you're giving the power to someone else. And I think mm-hmm. the will, this willingness to develop. Normally, these are successful people want to develop even more so mm-hmm. uh, be, because they see that they're responsible for that. Yeah. they're they're not a victim. They're just not riding the wave of life and what it, you know what other people perpetrate on them but they are in control of their own destiny so yeah. to speak and i think for us especially young people in business mm-hmm. like it, it's just prevalent in our society like you're you know it's the man holding me down mm-hmm. it's me again you know and this kind of is the opposite of this is saying like hey i mm-hmm. want to develop i want to take my future into my own hands in a mm-hmm. way like i mm-hmm. want to develop myself and so it, it kind of flies in the face of what's really prevalent in our society right now. Yeah, I see. Uh, thanks for bringing that in, Greg. I think you're so true. So I, maybe you label that as like radical ownership, the ability to look in that mirror and take radical ownership for oneself and say, I am who I am. I am where I am and I want to grow and I have the ability to change and to move forward in that I think why that's important for us as leaders is because um, effective leaders are not just people who get things done, not just transactional. Uh, there are men and women who also open are open to the possibility of actively growing and developing in their character. Um, and so we, we really kind of bring back the weight, Greg, when we talk about we're not as leaders just responsible for good results. We're also responsible for the way we interact with one another, which digs down deep into the core of our character. And we, we ran across a quote from Covey. Do you mind reading that quote oh, too, sure, Greg, sure. about character? It's character, says Covey, Covey that com- communicates most eloquently. In the last analysis, what we are communicates far more eloquently than anything we say or do. Yeah, I love that. And so when we think about being effective as leaders, uh, we have to come to grips with the idea that it's not just our transactions that matter. It is also the way in which we go about it, our character, the way we listen, we, we treat people. Uh, it just dawned on me, Greg, that um, I've had the privilege several times of, of uh, preaching at a funeral. 
And it just dawns on me that at every funeral I've ever been to, I, I don't remember much of what the person did in their life. I mean, maybe there's some key accomplishments, but I most certainly always remember how I felt around them, the way they viewed me, and ultimately their character. Yeah. And so in a leadership standpoint, what we are saying clearly today is that we must come to grips with an ability to grow as people in our character so that we can be more effective leaders in the marketplace. Yeah, and so that, I, one thing that stood out to me in this Covey quote is normally we say what you do, like actions speak louder mm-hmm. than words. That's that's the most common take on this. Mm-hmm. But he's saying that character trumps actions. Yeah, yeah. Which is you know not normally what we say. We got to right. we think that the actions really mm-hmm. are the end all be all. Right. When he's saying like no, it's so I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how. For an example of, you know, maybe somebody's doing something really good, but you're like, no, I don't want to be a part of that. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, what they're doing is good, but they're terrible. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be associated with them. Yeah. And that's the, that's this. It's mm-hmm. like the character is trumping even the good works that they're doing. Yeah. And it just, just integrates all the you know, these key f- theories that you know, we, we, we preach a lot of times is, but like, I think that's the feeling of the wake. It's like you get a felt sense of who someone is. And I love what Covey said in the last analysis, it's character that communicates most eloquently. I I loved that. Um, And so I think some of the objection to that, Greg, and thinking about the looking in that mirror is that sometimes I think people can talk about character in a really soft sense, in a very vague sense. But I think what we're seeing from our own experience, and I think from what the literature says, is that character is very visible. And I would argue that character drives your actions. Character drives the words that come out of my mouth, uh, come from that deep well of who I really am. Yeah, yeah. And so every everyone around us is impacted by our character. And so that's what it makes it worth playing for. That's why we say effective leaders um, are people who are willing to go to those hard places and look at themselves and say, I, I need to grow here. I need to develop my character. There's things about me that are not quite whole yet, and they need to be in order for me to be the most effective um, person. And so what, what you and I believe, Greg, is that work provides that crucible, that work is the is the context for which we can see ourselves more clearly like narcissists, and we can take a choice and develop or not. You, some thoughts were happening for you. No, I was just thinking about how normally where the rubber hits the road in this context is in the in the really subtle small things. Mm-hmm. Like it's not you thinking the way we're talking, you're thinking like, oh, I've got to like I've got to get the whole train on the track. You know, yeah. it's like, but it's it's those little things that people remember where your character shows mm-hmm. through and where you have a chance to to really show what you're made of character wise. Yeah, uh, it's you know it's you know it's how you take care of people. It's how you say, yeah, let's not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that person mm-hmm. or I'm not, it's those, it's those little small things, I think, that really uh, make you stand out character-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, does it kind of drive your whole body of work? Y- yes. Yeah. But, but I think what people see, remember what really matters, it comes out in those small ways every day. I agree. At, at work. Yeah. In life, you know, we can't separate that out. It's yeah. in life. Yes. And life happens at work. Certainly, yeah. So as, as leaders, we are faced daily with decisions we have to make that will reveal our character. We have, we have to do really hard things uh, that are going to rub up against who we are uh, and, and expose us uh, in some ways. And so what we're saying today is that effective leaders are people who are willing 
to walk that road of development, who are willing to own that they are not quite whole yet, uh, and they're willing to put in the work to discover who they are, to get better as uh, in their character, to develop um, trustworthiness and integrity and things such as this. So, Greg, that's the leader's mirror. So we look f- really, we take radical ownership, we look in that mirror to discover who we are. And unfortunately, when we look in that mirror, a lot of times we don't like what we see. Uh, at least I will say for me. I, I, that's, I certainly, don't look. that's right. And so let's talk about the leader's confession, that if we're honest, when we look in that mirror, what we all come to say is that I, myself, even as a leader, am in need of healing. And Greg, you ran across a quote that I just love that you share with our leadership team recently. And I'd love for you to just slowly walk through that quote, because I think it really is a powerful one. Yeah, it, it's a long one, so stay, stay with me. It, it, this is out of The uh, Servant as Leader by Robert Greenleaf, a little, just a little, the original pamphlet that he wrote that kind of impacted, the, still impacting the world. Mm-hmm. So he says, it is part of the enigma of human nature that the typical person, immature, stumbling, inept, lazy, is capable of great dedication and heroism if he is wisely led. Many otherwise able people are disqualified to lead because they cannot work with and through the half people who are all that there are. Let me say that again. Many otherwise able people are disqualified to lead because they cannot work with and through the half people who are all there are. The secret of institution building is being able to wield a team of such people by lifting them up to grow taller than they would otherwise be. Wow. Yeah, so if, if you feel free, listeners, go ahead and pause, rewind about 45 seconds and, and hear that again, because that is a, a deep and a very rich perspective that we're, we're all half people. And I love how he says that's all there are <laughs> in the world. There aren't, there's not some uh, island of, of people who've got it figured out. And I'll just confess for me, Greg, that I think um, starting as a leader, one of the best and worst parts of working with teams is people. I mean, and so, you know, one of my worst memories as a leader is, is working with half people but there's something about that quote that that causes me to take ownership that I'm a half person. That it really is a step back. And again, depending on if you're that self-inflated or self-deprecating person, this could hit you in a couple of ways. But I think for me, it really hits me of like we're all half people. And so there's a, an immense sense of mercy and patience and kindness that wells up in me of like, oh, so when I deal with that hard employee, contractor, volunteer. I'm just as hard on some days. And so let me be more kind and patient. And I love what he said, work to develop them in a way that makes them rise taller. And that happens for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget the context of what we're talking about is a willingness to develop as people. Mm-hmm. And so I think when whichever the side of the spectrum you're on, when you're, when you're able to acknowledge that, yes, there go, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, like I'm mm-hmm. a half person also, mm-hmm. you know, if you're the self-deprecating person, then it normalizes that. It's like, get over yourself. Yeah. We're all in the same boat. Right. It's, it's like we, we're all working with the same stuff basically mm-hmm. here. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, and then for the, the narcissist, the way we normally think is like, yeah, you're not all, all that. Right. Get over yourself. You're a half person also. Right. You're just in denial. You yeah. Know? And, so, yeah. and so it kind of smacks of reality and mm-hmm. brings us back to the middle ground where, okay, this, I can see myself. Mm-hmm. Which, and this is where I, I think I told you recently, is like, this is why we need other people to speak truth into our 100%, lives. Yeah. Because it helps with, it's just, just as Greenleaf is speaking into your life and mm-hmm. you can see yourself better especially your colleagues and friends, people you trust. Mm-hmm. If someone you really trust can speak into your life and say, hey, 
you maybe you should think about not doing this or yeah. maybe you're being a little self-centered in it mm-hmm. like it it really helps steer us in this yes. in this thing of self-development yeah i agree greg and so let, let's break that apart maybe in two two boxes i think for the leader what we're saying is we we to be effective we have to be willing to look in that mirror, say, I am not as whole as I thought I was. I am still in need of development. And the secret's out. There's not going to be a day that you arrive at work and go, oh, I've finally arrived. I've, I'm, I'm good. I'm 100% whole now. We're, we're on this journey together. And so when we do that hard work of developing who we are, the other part for me, the other box, Greg, is that we then have the courage and the integrity to lead our people in that same process, which is something that I have have seen leaders do. I've, I've glimpsed it myself of, of getting a taste of that, of when I do my own hard work, I have better um, ground to stand on when I'm working with someone who's on my team or within the organization, because I have been through the fire myself. And I think that's one of the most powerful tools a leader can have is having done their own work and in the process of their own work such that they have the integrity to help someone else, as Greenleaf said, grow in who they are. I, I think this is worth the price of admission right here, Chris. Yeah. Uh, because I think our human nature is such that we become arrogant and that we always want to think of ourselves as better than others. Mm-hmm. And as managers, and it just is people in general, but especially as managers, mm-hmm. how many times have you caught yourself saying, like, can you believe they did this? Or look at the, look at the, what did they, you know, we love to say, like, you're not going to believe I, if someone came for an interview today, you're not going to believe. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we should be thinking, like, yeah, I believe it because I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's just so easy to fall into that arrogance. And, and our human nature always wants to have an in-group and an out-group. Yeah. You know, of course, we're going to be in the in-group. Right. You know, if, we, mm-hmm. if we're creating that group. Yeah. And, yeah, so I don't even know where I was going with that. This, this struck me um, of how, you know, it's just hard to stay in that mind. Like, it you're is. painting this beautiful picture mm-hmm. of how we should lead people, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to stay in that mindset. I love that you brought that up, Greg, because that, that is a, I mean, again, because we, we can use cliches like it's a journey, not a destination, but what you just said is the rubber hitting the road of my humility as a person and as a leader to keep doing the work, to keep myself accountable, to keep myself humble. Uh, one of my favorite um, quotes came from an article that talked about like uh, most successful people have these nine mindsets. And one of those mindsets was I've, I'm, I haven't paid my dues. I'm always paying my dues. And so I think as a leader, that's hard to, to swallow sometimes because it, it could feel like, well, I'm now the leader of this team. And so I've paid my dues and I'm, you know, I kind of get a free pass. But I think the most effective folks are the ones who are just continually paying and submitting to the process of development in, in the minute corners of their of their heart and character. They're just always open to the ability to keep growing and keep finding out, oh, I have, I have work still to do. Again, Greenleaf, we're, we're all half people. That's all there are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, w- I would say going both directions, we need to invite others into our life to speak truth to us, mm-hmm. which can be really hard. Yeah. Uh, it, it's you have to be really brave to say, "Hey, I want to know the truth, no, mm. matter, no matter you know." Which I always say, like, "Yeah, it's going to hurt my feelings, right. but I want to know it anyway." Yeah. And then the flip side of that is, managers, we need to be speaking truth mm-hmm. to people because a lot of times we take the easy way out, and we we just wimp out, and we don't, mm. you know, we, you know, we hide it under you know some workflow, mm. and we're going to create a new workflow instead of saying like. 
hey, you need to think about this and do this differently. Mm -hmm. because, you know, like we just don't really speak the whole truth to people. Yeah. And so we're denying them this opportunity mm -hmm. to grow in mm -hmm. the way that we want to grow. Yeah. And so a lot of times we're the purveyors of that, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be accountable for speaking truth to our people in a, in a way that's humble and right. compassionate right. and empathic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and if you're in the right space, you're going to realize I need that. Oh, I need someone to be empathic and treat me kindly and mm. well, and I need to pass that on and do that for my people the same way. Yeah, I agree, Greg. And I think that really touches on the great promise of, of this way of leading, which is that people literally would become better uh, having been in this environment and, and served by a good shepherd, and the shepherd him or herself would also grow as people such that then when it came time to leave this employment or volunteer or contract position, that they would be better people, not just better at their job, which we do want and matters, but also better people. Um, but even as I say that and having now almost, you know, 16 years or so of, of doing this, Greg, alongside of you, I just want to confess also, not only am I in need of healing, but this work is exhausting. Like to do this kind of development as a person, to look deep in your soul, to try to figure out, you know, what's going on with me? Why do I keep doing these things? Why am I making these kinds of mistakes that are hurting people? Or why am I being selfish? Like, why am I? It can get just so tiring. Do, do you have words for that too, Greg? Do you sense that sometimes when you're just really in the trenches with your own soul that you're trying, you know, trying to develop and as a leader that you, that's exhausting work? It is. And I, I mean, and I think that's good, exhausting work. I, I think you have to get to that point for it really to make a difference at mm -hmm. times. Uh, you know, and, but, and I, you know, I'm further in than you, and I'm still, mm -hmm. it, it was crazy, you know, you think, what's funny is I start thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm getting on top of it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I see a whole new side. It's like, holy cow, like yeah. here's a huge crack in my character yes. that I need to work on. Mm -hmm. And it does get, get tired. You, and I would admit that sometimes I just want to coast. Yeah. And I would say, you know, for me, like I have to at least mentally always push to say like, okay, I'm going to keep pushing. Now, mm -hmm. like I told you, I took books home this weekend. Mm -hmm. I didn't re read anything. Right. So, so maybe you could say like, oh, well, you were coasting mm -hmm. this weekend. Well, maybe I needed to. So I, sure. I would say don't be ashamed of that. Yeah. But, you know, in your head, in, in real life, like you just always need to kind of keep pushing forward mm -hmm. because it is exhausting and you're never going to arrive. Yeah. You know, so you just kind of have to find, I think, find that equilibrium. If you're exhausted, take a break. But mm -hmm. in, find that normal daily equilibrium where it's like, okay, I can I can keep pushing forward. And yeah. some days are going to be better than others. That's, that's just life. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the way you're describing it, Greg, makes it makes sense why, um, in, in full transparency, there are days and that I don't want to do this work. You know, and also that I think we've even run across people who not only on a day say I don't want to do this work, but maybe their posture is, you know, I don't want to develop as a person. I, I'm fine how I am. So we've looked at the leader's mirror. We look into that mirror and, and really try to figure out who it is that we are. Uh, we've talked about the leader's confession, which is I myself am a half person in need of healing and I'm leading other half people. And so let's come to the third um, topic for us on our discussion today, Greg, of, of the objection. What if I don't want to develop as a person, or what if I'm leading people who are, are resistant or seem resistant to this work that we're talking about? And you and I've had a lot of history with this, with with different employees or volunteers, contractors. That um, when we come to these kind of personal development conversations, um, it's not all green light. So, talk with me, Greg, about you know what do you think that is, and what, what are some of the phrases you've even heard in working with folks? 
Well, first, I, I think there's two two different types of people. I think there there are people that would say like, yes, I don't want to do this, but they don't really know what they're saying. They don't really know what mm-hmm. this quote is. Um, you know, I, and I think about myself when I came here mm-hmm. uh, so all those years ago. I, I didn't know about self development. I didn't know about team. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and, but I was willing to just. To, you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, like, yeah, I don't know about all this, but mm-hmm. I was willing to kind of just wade in, start shallow, and start wading in mm-hmm. until I, you know, became, the, you know, the poster child for this, you yeah. know. Yeah, so I think, you know, I think about people that um, I have worked with that kind of started off resistant, mm-hmm. that then just got on board. We call it, you know, from uh, good to great, you know, get on the bus, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and now, you know, they're working on themselves continually. Mm-hmm. And then the other type of person is those who really don't buy this into this philosophy mm-hmm. and they think they're fine the way they are. Right. Somehow it's offensive that they need to change or be better. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of broad generalizations and sure. they're all on, on a scales, you know, different places. But I, I find for us at the Center for Children and Family, families that the people that are resistant to that point mm-hmm. need to go somewhere else to work. They, mm-hmm. I've seen it year, for years, like it just doesn't work out. If they don't make that turn and say, hey, I, I get what you're saying and I wanna, mm-hmm. I wanna be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Like if they're just resistant to the end, it mm-hmm. just doesn't work. They just, they feel totally um, out of the loop. They don't mm-hmm. fit in. They, they don't um, perform in a way, it, which wouldn't it really, as you say, it gets down to work performance. Yeah. But but you have to realize this matters because you're work you're working with people. Mm-hmm. It's you're not you're not in a soundproof box working by yourself. Right. You know where it doesn't matter. And I think all jobs at some point you interact with people yeah. and it matters. But you know for us the, in that work context, it's always in your relationship to other people. Mm-hmm. It's not ever the boxes you're checking. Mm-hmm. You know that sabotage people because you can unless it's just a total lack of integrity. Sure, you're lying on your notes or whatever. You know mm-hmm. then yeah then you're not even you're lying about the boxes you're checking. Right, so, right. Yeah, so we're I'm kind of rambling, but it's those two. Yeah, you know it's those people. So I would say I mean yeah some people come to the center and they're like yes I'm I'm ready to embrace mm-hmm. this. I would say that's the exception. Mm-hmm. I would say most people are kind of tentative. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. let's see where this goes. Yeah, and I think it's it's scary ground. I mean, because you, if you think about most folks come into a, an employment or a volunteer or contracting position, thinking in the, in their history is that it's just work. I'm going to go punch the clock nine to five, do, really do well at the at the task, and then go home. And that's all that really matters. And for us, I think in servant leadership, we've stumbled on that matters deeply and who you are and who you're becoming is driving all of that. It, it's not separate and apart. It's it's driving the whole thing. And so when we talk about developing as people, we're, we're talking about character that leads to performance. And so that's why it matters. But Greg, I've over the years heard folks, you know, in, in conversations about character development say, Chris, I, I like who I am. You know, I'm, I'm not going to change. I, I'm, I'm good with who I am. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't see the need to, to do it differently. I've, I've done this for 35 years. And so uh, I like who I am. And so don't get me to change. Right, right. So so this is what I want you to talk about. I, I want I'm going to ask to set you up, kind of ask you like the difference mm-hmm. between liking who you are and changing who you are versus becoming the best version of yourself. Because sure. I think that's really the juxtaposition. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, I, thanks for the tee up, Greg. I think it, it really is, and I, I'm kind of going through a process of reconsidering all that for myself, Greg, of like, 
Yeah, because I think we're not we're not doing therapy in the traditional sense. That's that's we got to be very clear as managers and leaders. We're not doing psychotherapy with our staff. Uh, we borrow concepts, but we're not. That's not our role. And if if we dip into that, we, we're on dangerous ground for sure. But sometimes the if you were just an observer watching in the room of a, a supervision, it might look and sound sometimes like psychotherapy because we're asking you know in depth questions about character and all. And so ultimately, for me. What I want most for someone I'm working with and trying to lead in this development process is to look at their performance, identify the underlying reasons why, and then help get better for future behavior. And that's what I'm looking for when I'm working with someone in development, helping them as, as much as they want to go back you know, into their history. I'll, I'll go with you in that. But ultimately, we're, we're trying to improve who they are and what they're able to do, not necessarily change their character or their their integrity um, in that sense of like a psychotherapy counseling session. So I'm all about the performance is the measurement um, and the character is the underlying driver for me. Yeah. So so tell me a little bit more about the performance as measurement versus mm-hmm. um, and we have had people in the in the past that say like you know this is a you guys are a cult like mm-hmm. you want everybody just like you sure. you want to, they they have some sense of um, you know, we're coming from this place, and we want we want everybody to be just like us. Where, yeah. and they may be coming in with different uh, ethnic uh, mm-hmm. uh, issues, cultural, different, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. cultural yeah. background, the way they were raised, yeah. the way you know the where they were raised might be from another country, yes. like all that. Like how to like talk about mm-hmm. that? Sure, that's great, Greg. Thanks for that. Yeah, and I think this is where this is why it is hard because when we talk about when we show up to work, it is we're bringing all ourselves in. We're, we want people to bring their whole selves in, but there are things in my past and in my way of being in my family of origin that are not effective. And so I think for us, the the litmus test is is the behavior effective? Let's use an example from you and I's history. Um, Greg and I did some consulting work down in Miami, Florida uh, for years and working with a, a nonprofit down there. And we were set to do an all-day training for like 9 to 3 o'clock. And um, we get there at like 8 o'clock, ready to go. We're, t- you know, we're gearing up we're, so that at 9 o'clock we can go. We can start the training. Well, here comes 9 o'clock and there's like three people in the room. And then like 9.10, there's a few more and like by 9.15, a few more. And like, we're, we're baffled. Like, we're like, what, you know, we're talking to our hosts saying, what's, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, it's Cuban time. Uh, in Miami, there's a large Cuban population and they're no, the, that culture is notorious for uh, self, you know, identifying as late and like time is kind of relative. And I'm like, that's great. I love, you know, we get, I love that about your culture. I would say in the work context, you didn't love that. Oh, I didn't love it. No, I can honor it. But in a work contest, it wasn't effective because we were due to start at nine. And so I would say if I had an employee who said, hey, you know, my culture is time is relative. I'm like, hey, I love that. can honor it. But to be effective and for the demands of work here, you need to be here by not by nine. And so I think that we see that. I mean, that's one little small nuanced example about time and how that relates to your culture. But I think that for each of us, we have to evaluate is is what I'm doing, is what I'm saying and the way I'm acting and interacting, is it the most effective? Is it is it is it producing speed and trust, et cetera, or is it not? And that's where we, we help lead people in this process. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes me think that you have to have, you know, social awareness and be aware mm-hmm. of the context, mm-hmm. because even within the center, depending on who you're working for or mm-hmm. with, sure. that could change. Yeah. 
you know, so, yeah, so I, it, maybe if someone's meeting with me, we'll, we'll give our example of being late for a meeting. Yeah. Like, maybe someone's meeting with me, they, you know, and it's like, okay, it's time for the meeting. It's like, oh, evidently they got held up, and they come in 10 minutes late. Mm-hmm. It's not even on my radar, maybe. Right. And for you, you're for 10 minutes, you're stewing. I, mm-hmm. I'm just... No, yeah, go with out, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fretting, yeah. Right. Because I know it matters to you. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I'm... Yeah. I'm brought, you know, making an assumption. And so you're thinking, like, what the heck? Like, mm-hmm. our meeting was supposed to start at 9. Mm-hmm. Where's he at? And mm-hmm. so knowing that now I know, you know, and that was me with you. Mm-hmm. I'd show up late. It irritated. It, it took a long time to figure that out. Right. And so now I know my context is I'm meeting with you. I want to be there on time. Mm-hmm. I want to be respectful. If, if I'm going to be a minute late, I want to let you know, hey, I'm going to be three sure. minutes late. Yeah. Because I want to be aware of that context. Yes. And yeah. so I think even within our center, there are many contexts. Yes, I agree. And so you, you need to be aware of that. Yeah, and I think that's where the objection to growing could also come from me as a leader. Because uh, as you were sharing that example, and I was thinking about the, the cultural nuances, I as a leader am challenged to grow in my understanding and empathy. Like even in that Cuban time example, like it, it grew me to say, okay, my way of thinking about time is not the only way. And so when we're working with folks from multiple diverse you know, backgrounds and, uh, you know, where they grew up and their family of origin, like each of us, whether leader or follower, has to have this willingness. And so I guess what I want to put a pin in here, Greg, before we talk about how do we actually do this better is I would say, and I'm, gonna, I'm trying to really gauge my statement here, but I would say that this ability or this willingness to grow might be the definitive marker of effective leaders. It might be the thing that if it's not there uh, or if it is lacking or not there enough, it might be the thing that that shipwrecks your leadership. Um, I think in, I'm just thinking about examples in my history of watching folks. And when if, if ever you come to the point where you put your flag in the ground and say, I'm done, I'm not I'm not developing anymore. Don't talk to me about my character. Uh, I'm fine the way I am. Leave me alone. Like these are all phrases I've heard. Then at that point is, I think, when you begin to atrophy as a leader or as a, as a worker. Uh, and I think so this is maybe one of the most important characteristics of effective leaders is this desire, this willingness to work. Uh, and it doesn't mean you have to accept everything that's being told to you. There's plenty of times, I think, where feedback may be given and it's not accurate feedback. You know, maybe it is. There is some cultural understanding that's uh, that's lacking. Or so you're you're welcome as a person to give that feedback. But if if ever the wall goes up and it's like I'm done, locking the door, lights are off, we're done here. I think that's probably one of the the death nails for effective leadership. Yeah, definitely. So on the flip side of that, I'm gonna ask you this: yeah. Do you think there's a direct correlation? between your willingness to grow as a person. Now I'm talking about bigger than the, even in the center. I know mm-hmm. this is through the center, but in life. So a direct co- correlation between your willingness to grow as a person and your success in life. I, and if you say, I don't know, that's fine. I'm just no, I mean, this out of my knee jerk is yes. I mean, I don't know to what degree that correlation exists, but I, I think certainly, because even as I think about the people outside of this agency that I know, um, I think that's a true statement, Greg. I yeah, think I don't it is. know. I mean, I was sitting here yeah. in my head trying to figure out because I wanted to say that. I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But I, I think there, is, whether it's definitively true or not, there is a lot mm-hmm. of truth in that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it makes me want to get my grandkids. Of course, mm-hmm. they're too young to understand sure. that, right? But I want to, I want to teach them that. Like yes. you should teach Elijah that. You know, it's like somebody. I wish somebody would have yep. taught me that because. Yep. I missed uh, missed out on a lot of years because I didn't yeah. know that. 
I love that you brought that, Greg, because I just it, it literally brought me to a conversation this morning with my 14-year-old daughter and 12-year-old son on the way to school. And, and it was just that. It was like there was an interaction that they had where my daughter was huffy and rude to my son. My son was trying to explain that to her. She got all mad. And it's like, I'm working with my 14-year-old daughter to say, Annabelle, like, you've got to be aware of how you're treating people. You know, and her response was like, well, I'm tired and I'm grumpy. <laughs> Leave me alone. You know, which was not a willingness to develop as a person. And it's <laughs> like for her, but, but she'll come back to it. We'll have a conversation again tonight about it. But I think that is it. I think so that, that, that really triggered me, Greg, to think, I think you're right. Like we, whether we're a leader or own families that we uh, have every day, like our ability to, to slow down and say, I do need to look in the mirror. I am a half person. There, there's things that, you know, that impacted Ooh, others. Now we're getting into marriage. Yeah, yeah, right? come on now. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, I think it is. So we got to be aware that we have our own objections to growth, and we also are going to be working with people who very well may have objections to growth. And so we want to walk kindly and gently through that and encourage it and, and be the kind of people who can earn the right to hear people's stories and, and walk respectfully in that. And so let's end today, Greg, with each of these episodes, what you and I's heart really is, is to help people give them practical tools that if you wanted to grow in your ability and your willingness to grow, like what, what should you do? And so uh, we've got a framework here that we're going to use. I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, my friend James Mejias, he's a uh, licensed professional counselor and, and also a professional coach, and he's done a lot of work in, in this, you know, habits and things like this. And so in watching some of his stuff and then kind of mulling over my head, I, I came up with um, this way of thinking about it, Greg, of us identifying for each of these characteristics in the Effective Leadership Guide. Let's zero into our thoughts, our words, and our actions. So TWA, our thoughts, our words, and our actions. So if someone wanted to grow their willingness to grow, um, let's talk about their thoughts first of all. And so I think some thoughts that would be running through your head if you're if you're growing and developing would be that you have an acceptance um, that growth and development are scary and that it's hard. Like it's okay to have that thought of like, oh my gosh, this is grueling work. And, and if you're thinking that, oftentimes you're on that growth path. You're not saying I'm done. You're like, this is tough and I don't necessarily want to do it today, but man, I see the value in it. So that's a, that's a thought that would be going through your head uh, if you're if you're growing and, and willing. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think willingness is the key there because mm-hmm. I think you could you could have the thought and just not be willing to do anything about it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It, it, so it most most people would agree, and but then how many people is like, okay, I'm going to purpose to do something yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of my, one of my favorite Jewish first century uh, teachers, you know, and his, one of his followers was like, yeah, I believe, but help me with that unbelief. So it's like, I think in that growth, it's like, I, I want to grow, but help me in those areas that I'm like, oh, this is so hard and I wish it would stop. Um, another thing is identify your thoughts as you think about your growth um, and watch out for phrases like, well, I'm fine the way I am. Well, they just don't understand me. Um, or even those deprecating phrases like, oh my gosh, I have so far to go. I'm not as far along as I should be. And just be able to process and identify um, those thoughts. Another way that you can um, really up your game in the thought category is exploring that rich literature uh, of leadership material and 
Uh, Greg, you know, quoted Greenleaf today. We've quoted Covey. Like reading and absorbing new ideas, watching great video teaching is, is another way that you can actually change your thoughts by receiving good, rich information, podcasts like this one, um, and reading books, etc. Can I help you change your thoughts that you're having about growth and development? So, Greg, before we go to words, what what do you think about any other thoughts that uh, is we really try to give people handles for how do you grow practically in this area of thinking? Yeah, I mean, just uh, everything begins with a thought. So, you know, it, it, who is it? A Zig Ziglar is like talks about your stinking thinking. You yeah, know? yeah. It's like realizing that all that you know, we're going to talk about words and actions and mm-hmm. all that you know emanate out of your thoughts. So it, it starts right there in your head. And yeah. So, um, it, and it's and we know our you know our biggest battles are internal and, right. they, and they they come from our thoughts. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So pay attention to your thoughts, but pay attention, identify them, name them so that you can see where your head is in that. Well, the second category is uh, revolving our words. What are we actually saying out loud and how is that giving us a measurement or a temperature check on our willingness to grow? And so think about the differences of the phrases we've used so far today of like, I'm fine how I am. Leave me alone. I I don't want to change. Those are all phrases that you if you hear yourself saying, you can go, oh, wait a minute, like, these are deadly phrases that are not leading me to growth uh, versus those who, who talk about growth in a in a journey mindset of like, I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm, I'm walking hard, but it's difficult. And so pay attention to the words. And then I love giving uh, one of the kindest things people have ever done for me, Greg, is, is help give me words that I didn't have to express myself. And so one of the things that I wrote down here that I've said and that people have given me is is to say even something like, you know, Greg, I am scared. I am unsure and I'm hesitant, but I am willing to grow. But man, this is scary for me. And I'm, I'm having all kinds of reactions and triggers that are popping up for me, but I do want to grow. And I think, man, sitting in on a conversation with a mentor or a leader and you hear someone say that, it's like, okay, we can walk together in that. You're not saying you don't want to grow. You're not saying you don't w- willing to, to deal with this. You know, my, my daughter in the car is not, you know, if she was to say that, it's like, oh, I'd have such empathy for that in that moment. So those words can really indicate um, our willingness um, to grow. What are your thoughts there, Greg? Yeah, I mean, it, it's so tied to actions. Like what you're talking about mm-hmm. actually just bleeds over into actions. And so if I think about it from the stance of pure words, you know, I think that words matter. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't want to admit that because we just want to say what we want to say. Mm-hmm. But words, words matter. So, um, again, we're talking about, you know, how well you're doing at work mm-hmm. and you're working with people mm-hmm. and words matter. And so I would just say, you know, we're talking about thoughts. Like, think about choosing your words wisely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think effective leaders in that in that word realm also, Greg, I think they're they're people who are consistently and routinely seeking out conversation about growth. You know, I think the, the most effective leaders I know are people who are, are just constantly talking about uh, and processing, hey, I did this today in a meeting. And, oh, my gosh, I, I did it again. That thing that I told myself I wouldn't do, I did again. And they're, they're confessing their they're, they're blunders, they're, they're talking about books they're reading, they're um, having conversations with other leaders. And I think as a leader with your people, the other great technique or skill that could look like psychotherapy, but it's not, 
is this idea of conjecture. Uh, I learned this in some trainings with the emotionally focused therapy world. And it's the idea of just trying to put words out there for people to see if they do land on it. So if I'm in a supervision with you, Greg, and, you know, we're addressing a really hard thing, maybe that deals with integrity and and I can see you're struggling with that. I might throw out an idea and say, you know, Greg, it, it seems like this is really difficult for you to, to, take ownership for this and to really wrestle with the idea that you you let somebody down is that anywhere what you're thinking and so i'm just i'm just throwing words out and you have full freedom to say no chris that's not what i'm thinking or he's like yeah it is and there's this connection that builds and so effective leaders can have this skill of conjecture of offering words out there to see if they land and that's again one of the kindest things people have ever done for me is to to try to read my heart and then let me agree or disagree yeah, that's that's funny because I was thinking the total opposite. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was thinking because of myself. I think because of myself, I think me and I think I, most people would be far better off if we just use less words. Mm. Just just shut up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah just yeah. just listen. Mm. Uh, your way, hey, like Cubby saying, yeah, listen, understand, mm-hmm. and you're going to be way ahead of the game. Like we just like to hear ourselves talk. Sure. We like to tell others what's on our mind. Mm-hmm. And I think for me personally, and for most people, it's like I would be better off if I did did not use as many words. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that that ties back into that. Like we're talking about, Greg. That, that's a character thing. You're like, oh, that's hard to hear. It's hard to realize about myself if I look in the mirror and I see that. Oh man, that's that can be difficult for sure. So the last part when we're thinking about, okay, how do I actually grow? So we identify our thoughts, we, we, we think about our words and we choose them wisely. We, uh, we, we say the things that maybe are deep inside that are hard to express, but we say them as leaders, we can offer conjecture as a, as a tool to help others in that moment. And the last thing we want to identify is the realm of action. So what, what are people who are willing to grow doing? Uh, what, what can you observe and see and measure that they're doing? And we've mentioned a lot of these already, Greg, but we just want to highlight explicitly that if you want to grow and have a willingness to grow, that you, you'd be reading books, you'd be listening to podcasts, you'd be engaging folks over coffee or a meal and say, hey, I, I really want to grow as a leader, as a mom, as a dad, as a person, um, would you be willing to sit down and, and just talk with me about that? These are actionable things that we can see. Um, also, the idea of practicing transparency. Uh, that's something that we can see and experience that when when someone's vulnerable and says, man, I am really struggling here. I, you know, I've made a mistake or I'm really feeling prideful today and, and I, I see it's really uh, coloring so much of what I'm doing. Uh, that transparency through a conversation or through a, a text message can be so powerful in helping you to grow. Because like you said, Greg, you have to have other people in the conversation. We can't have the conversation with ourselves um, to really grow and develop. What other ways do you see in actionable things that people can do today to increase their willingness to grow? I, I mean, you hit it. Like, you listed them out. And I'm, I was just amen. And when you, yeah. yeah, like, and you know, and this morning before the podcast, we were talking about books we're reading. Mm-hmm. We both listened to podcasts this mm-hmm. morning, I think. Uh, we're, we're encouraging each other. Yeah. Uh, we were practicing transparency mm-hmm. uh, and inviting it. Like we did all this. Yeah. Right before the podcast, That's and, right. we, and we continue, and we do this yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I'm not saying, "Hey, look at me." Sure. I'm just saying, like, yeah, that that those are real things that you can do, and I'm sure it's not a exhaustive list. I'm sure yeah, there yeah. are other sure. other things as well. Yeah, and the last thing I think on that list to to highlight because this may not this may not be a no brainer, but it also may not have dawned on anyone listening. Like, ask for feedback. Like go to someone that you trust, your supervisor, uh, another colleague, and just say, hey, I'm, I'm really trying to grow 
here and, and name the specific area you're trying to grow and say, hey, would you just from time to time be willing to have a conversation with me about this area and give me some honest feedback? So I really am trying to grow here. Again, this is what effective people do. People who are getting good results are doing these kinds of things. And so on this podcast, we really want to try to give you the playbook and say, do this uh, if you're if you want to grow. So, Greg, as we wrap up today, we've talked about uh, the leader's mirror that each of us have to look into that mirror, take radical ownership that we're either not as great as we think we are or we're uh, not as bad as we think we are. But anywhere in between, we have room to grow in our character. And it's our character that speaks the loudest at the end of the day, that who we are is radiating out in every interaction professionally and personally. Uh, we've talked about each of us needing to have that confessional moment of I'm in need of healing, whether I'm a leader or not. Uh, we're all half people. That's all there really are in, in this world. And so we all have room to grow and need healing in ourselves. We've highlighted some of those objections that we hear and we have in ourselves to, man, this is tough. I don't want to grow. But there is a difference between psychotherapy and, and good leadership coaching that, that can be done effectively and respectfully. And then last, we've ended up with some of those practical tools, identifying your thoughts, listen to your words, and then do some of those actionable items this is a big one greg it's a big big that, that was uh, a lot of words it was a lot of words that's right a summary if you want to just listen to that instead of the whole hour or so you can so this is a big one so effective leaders are people who are willing to grow as people in their character and develop uh, for years to come so final thoughts from you greg yeah i would just say it takes effort and it takes bravery and it takes perseverance and you will you'll never regret it and the good part is it's on the job training. You go at your own pace. You can, you can, you know, it's like Montessori school. You, like just do what's best for you, learn at your own pace and develop. Uh, and, and so that, to me, that's encouraging. It's, it's not, nothing's being force fed. Yeah. Like, if, you know, get it, start with getting that in your head. Like, okay, I, I would like to change. That, that's the first thing, just that first thought. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I would like to develop. That's good. And we believe that that will lead long down the road to, to great results, more effective, you know, professional and personal interactions. And at the end of the day, leave you better than you came. So definitely worth playing for. Greg, as always, thanks for being in studio with me this morning. Enjoyed the conversation. And if you have thoughts or, or anything, please reach out to Greg and I would love to have a conversation. See you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Leading from the Heart. If you have feedback for Chris or Greg, or if there's a topic you would like them to discuss in a future episode, be sure to send them an email or comment on Workplace.